gorgeous listeners. Welcome back. Lovely to have you, Alan. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Amazing. I'm super excited to get back into it. We had in a previous episode, we were talking about what Shadim are made of, literally, like the stuff that composes them. A whole series of episodes. We had a whole series and we dug really, really deeply into that. Um, We took a little break to talk about Purim and Esther and the Megillah and that wacky shade switcheroo that happens, um, Mm -hmm. which is such a cool little moment to dig into. Um, and very timely and fascinating. And now we are gonna we're gonna go in another direction and talk a little bit about other stuff and get back to one of my <laughs> another. <laughs> Nobody saw the look that I gave you, but we did discuss this so that I could have some kind of semblance of introduction. But we are, <laughs> I know, going to get back to the Tower of Babel story, yes, which is one of my favorite and I feel like a really useful metaphor for lots of different things. So, um, so Alan, what are we what are we digging into? Kick us off. Yeah, so I thought it'd be neat since we just talked about what. Shadim are composed of mm-hmm. um, another, you know, a next logical step would be to talk about their form. Uh huh. Their that's the thing form. you said before we hit record, right? The right. metaphysical <laughs> forms that they take, and then somehow that's going to connect to another thing that I'm excited about. Let's do it! Yay! Okay. All right. So <laughs> this will be an interesting one. It's going to be great. I'm excited. <laughs> so. Um, we did learn previously that, uh, according to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, uh, Daf Kuftes, that okay. it, that according to the book in, Tal- in the Talmud of Sanhedrin, which has to do with like laws and justice and things like that. Yes. Well, right, but the, it's discussed the, on that particular page this idea that the Dor Haflaga, which is the generation of, that was dispersed after the Tower of Babel stuff, mm-hmm. um, uh, all became shading. Okay. Right. So very quick recap. The the Tower of Babel is right after. This is after Noah. Yes. I have my chronology right. Chronology is not my thing. Yes. Right. OK. So <laughs> the earth has been destroyed and then repopulated. And then everybody gets together and is like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we like build a tower to the sky and try to make ourselves like God or like God's. And then they do that for a while. And God's like, I'm not so into this and, and sort of cuts off the building project, you know, pulls the contract. And uh, the way that it's dealt with is everyone is dispersed into different languages. They can't understand one another. And so they can't work together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what's the, what's the time frame then? So the tower of Babel construction stops Mm-hmm. Right. And everyone is assigned these different languages so they can't actually collaborate. And and then then the, what? Then the Gemara and Sanhedrin says this entire generation becomes um, Shadim. Is that what you're asking? What are you yeah. Asking? No, I'm just clarifying the time frame. OK, right. so all the people who participated in that building then become Shadim. I guess so. Yeah. Like after they die. Um, I'm not sure. That's not clear, actually. No. Oh, okay. Um, uh, not to me anyway, but um, but I do want to talk a little bit more in depth about that because it's not the end of the story. By right. Any means. It's never the end of the story. Um, what the Gemara says there is that Hashem changed them. He changed the entire generation. OK. And the language there is like flipped. Right. The Shadim Ruchin Velilim. OK. And so, so different so, kinds of demons, including 
Lilin, which we've talked about Lilith before. There's a whole cast of demons that carry that name, right? Right. And we can talk a little bit about, more about what each one of those are. We talked about them also a little bit in a previous episode about the, their composi- compositions, what each one is made mm-hmm. of, uh, spiritual elements and, and things like that. Um, uh, Rashi has something to say on this. Which is great. Good old Rashi, I Rashi love it. Rashi is, uh, you know, um, pretty reliable source on most things. Not everything, but most things. Right. <laughs> and is also um, very uh, um, into shading. Yes. So yes. He there in the on that Gemara, he says um, he he breaks it down a little bit more technically. So he says like this: shading generally. Mm-hmm. They have the form of a human and they eat like human beings. Okay. Okay. Ruchin, the logo gufetsura. Ruchin have no body or form at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Lilin, tsuras adam, ela sheyeshlehem knafaim. So, um, which so means that Lilin look like humans except they have wings. Cool. Okay. Um, uh, but there's a problem with that because we know that Shadim, um, it, it rather, let me say it this way. It would seem then that Shadim don't have wings, right? Okay. Because remember, remember Rashi's definition of shade or description of Shadim before they have the forms of humans. Mm-hmm. It doesn't add that they have wings. Yeah. But we know from elsewhere that Shadim, mm-hmm. the cast of Shadim. Yeah. The class or whatever you want, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. Shadim have wings. Okay. So um, there's another safer that I I'm pretty sure it's called the Simchas Yamtiv, that that uh, or possibly Shari Yamtiv. I'm not sure exactly where this is from, but um, it says there that Rashi's intention there is that those Shadim, I'm sorry, those people who in the Dor Haflaga were transformed into Shadim. Um, Again, the cast of Shadim okay. didn't have wings, but okay. other Shadim do have wings. Okay, so it comes in to clarify, in order to make Rashi right about this, <laughs> it comes right. in and clarifies that Rashi isn't talking about all demons. Rashi is talking about specifically the people from what's called the Dor Haflaga, the generation of the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. that were at some point trans flipped into demons <laughs> um, yeah. and they they acquired the status of demons but did not have wings like normal demons well shady again we're talking like about shady shady yes. specifically, specifically. Right. yes we're getting a little technical here but we yes. are we are um, we have to remember all of our there's like an excel sheet in my head and <laughs> i'm matching all the things okay okay Cool. So let's let's take a break there and then we'll we'll keep digging in. Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. So we were just discussing how this whole generation got turned into a particular cast of demons. Rashi says that they are shading without wings and then it gets explained that usually demons have usually shading in particular have wings. Um, but Rashi says they don't, and he's just talking about these shading in particular. And I, yes, and I just want to clarify one thing that I also found that Rashi elsewhere says uh, that shading do have wings. They have the, the, the face of a human oh. and mm-hmm. wings. Okay. 
So even so Rashi he's kind himself, of contradicting himself. It, except if you have this opinion of the, uh, I'm going to say Simchas Yom Tev, that says that oh Rashi is explaining there just the Dor Haflaga Shadim, again mm-hmm. cast of Shadim because the Lilin and the Ruchin have different forms, mm-hmm. um, but just the Dor Haflaga Shadim didn't have wings. All the other Shadim do. Okay, right. So if Dor Haflaga, this generation after the tower of the Tower of Babel. Um, took on human form, but they didn't have wings, then they're like the guys who show up to Comic-Con and they're just like, you know, only wearing a Captain America t-shirt and just sort of blend in with everybody because they don't have anything particularly physically different about them otherwise, right? Like, For they're, not, example, like they're not wearing like, like the whole Captain America getup with the shield and everything, just the t-shirt, you mean? Right. They kind of blend in. Okay. Yeah. Would that be, would that be a fair amount of... <laughs> Miriam is making fun of me. <laughs> Sorry, we just happened to have been at a comic expo, and <laughs> I was I was among three lovely young men, all wearing Captain America t-shirts, and it was great. Yes. We had a great time. Um, okay, so excellent. To so, be fair, your dress just has a picture of a TARDIS on it, which is amazing. Yes, but it was the same thing I was doing. Okay, it's true. We were both we were all very lazy about it. Okay. Um, so my big question about this is still the, why do we need, why does the commentary need to come in and turn this generation into demons? Like what purpose does that serve? I feel like Hmm. there's this whole story, um, with the tower of Babel, which, and you know, everyone coming together to, on the one hand, it's sort of a feel good story of like, let's all come together and build a thing and that'll be great. But the Hmm. thing that they want to do is sort of make themselves into gods um, and that's not cool and so it gets torn apart and it's a little bit like you know biblical monopoly busting um, that Hmm. you know we take this we take this project and tear it apart and I think the way that it's done is fascinating the fact that this is kind of the the origin story of why humanity speaks so many different languages Um, and at the same time, it's a little bit sad that it's like it has to be done in this way of we tried to unite under this illicit purpose. And then the reason that we have all these beautiful languages and cultures is because like that was not actually such a great idea. Um, but isn't the what I'm trying to get at? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is um, isn't the division into multiple languages the quote unquote punishment for having tried to build that tower in the first place, having tried to become something inappropriately, like beyond what humanity was meant to be and trying to become a god. Right. Well, I think, first of all, let me just say that I think that there is certainly a place in tradition for that interpretation, that Mm -hmm. the punishment was just being dispersed and not being able to communicate for a while with each other. Right. Um, However, I think it's also interesting to look at it as a cautionary tale, uh, more particularly, by mm-hmm. which I mean the people wanted to make names for themselves. They wanted to make themselves into, like you say, gods. Mm-hmm. And it was a right. way and of And that's Hashem what the saying, language actually is in the story. It's like Vinasel Anushem or something like that. Yes. We'll make for ourselves a name. And the word Shem is a little bit tricky there, too, because right. that can also, yeah. Right. Um, and... Uh, Hashem basically the is name, saying God, God, right? Yes, <laughs> is saying, uh, you know, you think this is what you want, mm-hmm. 
Mm. Let's see what it kind of could be like. In other words, like, you think this is what you want? I don't think it's what you want. You better stop this. I don't think you want what you think it is that you want. Yeah, is that what I said? Yeah. Okay. No, I just like that, so I decided to repeat it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hashem was saying, okay, this is the Sitra Akhra, right? And literally the other side mm. of that. You want to you wanna know what it's like to have these kinds of powers that you think you want? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a great... Um, Example that comes to mind that one of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's very early Fabringans as a as the Rebbe, mm-hmm. um, uh, he said he he spoke about all of the tsuras, all the troubles that come with money. Hmm. Uh-huh. Right. Where's this going? And so he said, you know, in a room full of I don't know how many dozens of Hasidim, now anybody who still wants to be a millionaire, raise your hand. Uh, basically. Okay. You know, um, so what do we think we want, really? Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. if, if you if you think you can handle it, maybe you have to think twice about that. So what's the it then? Well, in the case of the Dorha Flaga, it was, you know, power. Yeah. It was reputation. Uh-huh. You know, basically godlike status. Mm-hmm. Um, all that comes with shame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, it, I, I think it's very powerful that one of the first stories in the Torah mm-hmm. is a cautionary tale about think twice about what you think you re- it is that you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there's a sitra achra to it. There's another side to it. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I see that. I think that makes sense. And it also, it's a little bit, it's painful to hear those kinds of stories too because this was... As much as it was misguided, it was a, a shot at unifying humanity, right? It was a shot at bringing everyone together around a shared goal and literally physically building something together. Mm-hmm. And because the intention was inappropriate, because the intention was misguided, um, that it literally couldn't stand, right? And um, and so uh, there's there's the, like this tension that comes out of the story of like to what extent can we really kind of come together and unite ourselves behind a common purpose? Um, to what extent does actually being separated into 70 different languages um, prevent that? Um, so basically what you're suggesting is that these people thought they wanted status and power and all the things that come with being godlike and god was like <laughs> you want those things <laughs> now you're demons and they have status and power and all these things let's see how much you want what you thought you wanted now correct yeah that's a big part of it but it sounds like there's another question you're asking yeah if, which is the unification piece yeah and um i i don't know the answer to that if there is an answer to that, but I would suggest maybe that, um, first of all, like you said, the intention wasn't pure. That's important to keep in mind. Right. But I think there's a difference between unity and unification. And one of the things you also mentioned is we have all these beautiful languages and cultures now as a result of this story. Right. And maybe the lesson that God is trying to teach us with the Dorhaflaga story and the Migdal Blavel story mm-hmm. is um, being all the same yeah. isn't good. Yeah. 
but rather it's better to be all be different, mm-hmm. bring all of our differences together, and that's what makes us more human and less demon. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Well, and I think with your Sitra Achra, kind of like this is the this is the dark side of the thing that you thought you wanted mm-hmm. idea. Like those people are all united in a single purpose now and are, sure. you know, right? Like you got, you got <laughs> that's what one they thought they job. Wanted. Right. That's what they thought <laughs> it's they what wanted. what you thought you wanted. And now that's the, that's the fate that you get to live out. Um, so, Okay. I guess I, I feel more settled about it now. It just feel like I, I think it's such a the Migdal Bavel story, I feel like, is so prescient and so timely and timeless. And is just it's a really important thing to come keep coming back to. And like it, this this I guess is a this commentary adds a really interesting dimension to, you know, what that story is all about and what it's trying to teach and what some of the implications are of that effort. So. Cool. Thanks, Alan. So, Shade Throwers, we had a question come in in a private message that asks the following. Um, So, hey, everybody. I am digging the podcast. Thank you. Um, But I'm kind of struggling with one thing. I like the logical approach, and I like to think of myself as or try to be a rationalist. However, if I'm being honest with myself, I also have to acknowledge that there are some things that you just can't see, uh, like shading, some things that are unobservable. Um, also, you guys make them sound so cool. Well, that's that's what we're here for, <laughs> friend. Um, so my question is, is it possible to be both a rationalist and believe in shading? Alan, how would you tackle this fascinating question from one of our listeners well yes first thank, of all thank you for the question thank you for the always love listening wonderful question um this is let such me, a big question let me start by saying yeah it's a, it's a lot in there let me start by saying i don't try to make them sound cool they are not cool <laughs> they're bad i try to make them sound cool yes okay fine. bad is the new cool you are more successful naughty is the new nice maybe than i am i saw that on a t-shirt it must be true <laughs> anyway okay. um uh right so where to start so um it happens that I, i'm just going to answer this question from the perspective of the rabbinic tradition as mm-hmm. best i can okay which is uh i think actually cr- pretty interesting because you know we like to pick on the rambam a lot Yes, uh, Maimonides. Um, yes. <laughs> um, it is um, most enjoyable. As the main rationalist philosopher in Judaism who himself likes to pick on people who believe in Shadim as much as he possibly can. He likes, yeah. he would like for there to be no Shadim in the Jewish tradition. Yeah. Um, Sorry, honey. Suffice it to say he does not succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know anything about the Rambam, Maimonides... He uh, he originates in Spain. His story originates in Spain, mm-hmm. and from that is a very rich tradition of Spanish Jewish philosophy in the Middle Ages. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what's interesting is that we find two rationalist philosophers from that same Spanish tradition who uh, are very clear about their belief in Shadim. 
Um, and uh, they're Rav Chasdai Kreskas or Kresh Crush. Um, Kresh Crush, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he was a 14th century, early 15th century philosopher. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says that we can tell right from, from the Tanakh, from Torah, from the rabbis. And not only that, but we, can ex- we experience it. So we know that Shadim exists. Those, that, those are his uh-huh. his basis for, un, for believing in, in rationally believing in shading. Okay. Um, and then uh, he goes on to continue. The, the, he goes on to mention the four characteristics that are mentioned elsewhere in rabbinic texts, like foreknowledge of the future, uh, uh, desire for people to serve them in exchange for granting wishes, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know obviously desire for evil mm-hmm. and. Uh, the ability to suddenly take on human form, which we've discussed at length yeah, uh, already a little bit. Um, and then uh, basically ends by saying there is a point at which we can't understand it, saying I'm a rationalist, but uh, there are certain things that the human mind just can't fathom. And this mm-hmm. is one of those things, after, to, to a point we can understand Shadim, like I said, from what the texts have shown us, but also from experience. Yeah. And then after that, there are things more th- about Shadim that we just can't know. Um, Sometimes I think that acknowledging the limits of your own intellectual capacity is sort of the most rationalist thing you can do. You know, Ooh. sort of setting those boundaries and saying, there's really only so much I can know. I think there are a lot of Aristotelian rationalists who would disagree with that. Ugh. But um, <laughs> but I don't I'm know. happy to disagree with them. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. You and the Ramban. We should talk about the Ramban sometime. Yeah. Um, he was not a fan of Aristotle. Anyway. Ramban and I are tight. Rambam and I have issues. Yes. We should. Yes. Nachmanides. Yes. Um, and so, so, you, so, just one way that's usually it's very confusing because on audio, especially, it sounds like we're saying the same thing. It does. But uh, this so is probably hard. Usually, people say, "Thanks for sticking with us." Rambam, emphasis on the first syllable when talking about Maimonides. Oh, that's helpful. And Ramban, when mm-hmm. talking about Nachmanides. It's got a little bit more bounce. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he kind of, kind of jams a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. Um, and Generally more approachable and yeah. And I'll just say Yosef Albo uh, is the student. What? These are some names you're pulling out here. Well, I'm, I did I did some homework. I'm okay, sorry. It was okay. a good whatever. I'm, so I never do. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So he, and he says that um, he says that uh, not only is I'm sorry. First of all, he was a student of. Mm-hmm. And so he follows in the footsteps of his teacher yeah. and then adds to that that um, we also know from halo- even halachic works uh, things about that non-believers um, uh, in Hashem actually worship the Shadim mm-hmm. and that this is a very non-rationalist thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, you know, um, yeah. So, and, and and not not only is it not Jew, it, it it goes both ways. He also says so. For example, a person might want to uh, contact Shadim in order to know the future, mm-hmm. right? And he says that's kind of dumb because um, 
<laughs> Why would you want to know? <laughs> Why? Because it's saying that he's, he's saying that uh, if a person wants to do that, well, first of all, yeah, why would you want to know? Second, <laughs> right. of all, second of all, if a person wants to do that, it'd, it'd be like saying that God can't tell people the future, which is mm. uh, which is a way of saying mm. that I don't believe in any of the prophets, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, right. yeah. so it's a, it's trying to go roundabout way with the shadim is not only not rationalist, but also just right. not a good wrong department. Right. Like he needs to have a sit down with HR. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a workflow issue. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So I, th- there is tradition. There are rationalist thinkers in mm-hmm. the Jewish tradition, mm-hmm. at least two of them that I can think of. Mm-hmm. And by the way, all the rest of their works are very rationalist mm-hmm. um, who believe in shading. So it is possible. And, and you may you may you may p- nitpick a few points of, uh, of what I'm saying here that like, mm-hmm. well, that's not really a rationalist thing that they're saying. Right. Um, but yeah, they're considered rationalists in, in their sure. works. So your answer to our listener would ostensibly be there is precedent in Jewish tradition among the great thinkers that one can be both a rationalist and fully believe in Shadim and listen to our podcast. Yeah. Which is really the most important part of it. That's amazing. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's it's interesting because I feel like that this question is kind of one of the fundamental things that we're exploring throughout this whole series through the throughout this all this learning that we've been doing together is what does it mean to at least for me, at least what does it mean to be both a rational modern person and have a um, a meaningful connection with this part of the Jewish tradition? Um. So awesome. Thank you, Shade Throwers. We always love your questions. Please feel free to tweet us at Throwing Shade, S-H-E-Y-D, and we will address your questions in a subsequent pod. Thank you. All right. Gorgeous listeners, we are coming to the end of our time together, but we want to close things out with an action item. Alan, you got something for everybody this evening? Uh, maybe. Um you know, I think there's a lot of introspection that's happening in this particular episode where people mm-hmm. are trying to think about, you know, um, the things they really want in mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, what they really believe. Mm. So, you know, we talked about, am I a rationalist if I believe in Shadim or am I, you know, if I try to be a rationalist but I want to believe in Shadim, what does that make me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um uh, that, or, you know, even believing in Hashem, and to what extent does that make me a rationalist or not mm-hmm. a rationalist? And where am I? What am I basing all this on? Really, a lot of introspection in that in that sense. But and also, when we talk about the Dor Haflaga and people believing, oh, I really want all this power. I really want all this, you know, reputation. Yeah. Some, you know, people extend that to money or all kinds of vices, things that you know, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, what would you really use all that for? Yeah. And uh, it takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of thought. And um, so my action item, I think, would be, you know, really, um, really do do that hard digging in yourself. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, when you think you've got it, dig some more. <laughs> yeah. Just a light action item of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I think, don't do light. <laughs> I think it. I've noticed. I, I mean, I think that, like... Every once in a while, stepping back and thinking about the things that you're actually doing, 
mm-hmm. and what you're pursuing, what you're building, and to what extent that's actually moving towards who you want to be mm-hmm. and the kind of life you want to live. And whether it's like, whether you like feel good doing it, whether you feel like the best version of yourself doing it. Um, I think, you know, having those moments to check in with yourself and say like, is this, is this who I really am or am I like, you know, building some stupid tower and well, yeah, but yes, absolutely. But I think it's got that extra added, like you need the outside perspective too. I mean, yeah, I would say go to the tzaddik, but even, even like, um, cause you can't read the label from inside the jar. There you go. Yeah. But, but Hashem could have made everybody the same. And even to the extent that he made everybody different, but speak the same language. And as we learned from the Dor HaFlaga story, Hashem said, that's, even right. that's too close to being the same. Right. You know, like, um, um, you need, you need the outside perspective. So, um, introspection, but when you hit that brick wall, it helps to have friends who are different and have a different perspective on things. Oh, I like that. Um, I like having friends who are different. And I like having our listeners who, <laughs> who this has been such a great conversation to have with all of you and to hear your reflections on it and how you're thinking about all this good stuff. So, yeah, I like that. Um, I think that's a good note to end on. Shade throwers, you are awesome. You are gorgeous. You matter. The world needs you. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us. We will catch you next time on Throwing Shade, Better Living Through Jewish Demonology. See you all later.